episode of Captain Hunter's Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. I want to extend a special thank you, as I always do, to all of you, the downloaders, the listeners, for taking the time out to listen to these episodes. I think that they're really um, making a difference. I want them to make a difference. Um, I want them to live on this platform or whatever platform that you're listening to them on for quite some time so that way people in the future um, can have a reference um, for how we can bridge the divide between the police and the community. And once again, I don't just focus on the police on what they should do to change, but I'm focusing on the community because I think it's, it is extremely um, important that the community takes a long, hard look at themselves and see how they can improve and what they should do to improve. Today marks the end of uh, a few weeks that we were dedicating toward Black History Month. And yes, I did not. I did a couple of episodes on Black History um, that will be released, uh, hopefully by the time you, this episode <laughs> airs. But uh, the focus was to uh, uh, this particular series was to highlight uh, some Black ladies, some Black women who are uh, being positive role models for change, entrepreneurs, authors, and everything like that, consultants, and show that the importance of opening up your own business. Um, and and I really, really appreciate them for coming on the, the, the podcast. So today marks the end of that. So we're going to get into that in just a second here. But please make sure that you rate, subscribe and share these episodes, particularly this one. I think that this one's really important. I said it all the time, but this one is going to highlight the um, the ins and outs that a young lady, my cousin, uh, has made uh, in striving towards making her life better, having a rough childhood, overcoming obstacles, and I really believe that, that her life and her story can really make a difference in someone else's life who's going to take the time to listen to this. Um, in many ep other episodes that I've done, when I talk to Granville Academy um, and other um, persons that I talk to, I always highlight and always talked about, okay, it's great that middle-class people think this way, or think, think a certain way, but it's really important that we not forget about those who are uh, I, I don't want to, you know, it sounds kind of derogatory to say less than middle class, but there are certain people who are of a certain element that people try to gravitate away from or move away from. And we cannot leave these people behind. And these are the people that end up in police custody. These are the people who end up in filling our prisons and filling our mental institutes in many cases. So if we want to really help society, if we really want to make our change and make our mark, we have to help those who can be helped. We have to reach down, reach back, whatever and really try to pick up uplift people. And I think that this episode is really going to highlight another episode that I did that really that I really think is going to help, would help people, is when I highlighted the Maryland group Out for Justice uh, with William Freeman III. Check out that episode as well. Um, it's really, really important. Talks about his time having been incarcerated and things like that. So I really want to highlight those uh, in, in particular. Uh, that episode and this episode with my special guest for today, Shalanda Trent, my cousin. So once again, rate, subscribe, and share these episodes. You can support the podcast through PayPal Cash App and Venmo, Venmo Cash App, CPTL Hunter. PayPal is C-A-P-T-H-U-N-T-E-R. Patreon page, go over to the Patreon page for a couple of dollars a month, $5, $10, a dollar an episode. I release about eight, eight episodes a month, you know, every Sunday, and then we do the Facebook Lives. So if you can give, you know, 10 bucks, eight bucks, you know, $5 a month, 
just to support the podcast and make sure we're going and make sure that we're growing, I would really appreciate it. Uh, other uh, podcasts also ask for $50 a year. I would ask for, for the same thing, just 50 bucks a year, just to make sure that you, um, that this podcast is growing and can stay on the air. And that if I need to upgrade equipment or read someone's books, I have the ability to do that. I really would really appreciate it. Thank you in advance. So without further ado and delay, everyone, here's the episode with Miss Shalanda Trent. She is my cousin by marriage. Uh, she has some ups and downs, some ins and outs, um, but uh, she's making it. She's returned to college. She has, is completing her degree. She has become an author. Uh, I'm going to let her tell her story, but I really think that this is a story that it, we all know pe people like this or maybe have someone in our lives or maybe your school teacher. Uh, and maybe you can you can recommend this to students who are struggling and, and having a difficult time uh, in, in navigating life. But but regardless, uh, I think it's really important that this message gets out. It's a story of triumph over tribulation. It's the story of overcoming sexual abuse. It's a story of just turning your life around. So here's the episode with my cousin by marriage, Miss Shalanda. So thank you so much for coming to uh, Captain Hunter's podcast. I really, really appreciate you coming on. I am here with my cousin, Shalanda Trent, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, everybody, and thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. Ple pleasure is all mine. So I can I tell people your nickname that I used to call you? Can, yes. That, oh, okay, yes. okay. Buka. Okay, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. And uh, yeah, so just start, we'll start there. Just tell us about yourself. Yes, um, my name is Shalanda Trent. I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. And the majority of my life, um, my aunt helped raising me, Theora Kellum, and then my mother, my father was very active in my life. So I grew up, um, you know, with a strong belief and faith background in Yahweh God. And as a child, I would always love to read books. I felt like when you picked up a book, it gave you the opportunity to you know, leave the place where you were at. It gave you an opportunity to imagine, to believe in something that you might not see every day. I loved reading like Nancy Drew books and I loved like mystery and books, you know, of that nature. And in the summer of 2017, I was like drawing a picture of a tree. And then the idea came to me to like throw it, you know, make a book out of it. And that's how my children's book on top, the treetop came about. And I sort of just sat down and like wrote the book, you know, so. Very nice. Very nice. So how yeah. was your experiences uh, growing up in Waterbury, Connecticut? How was that? Um, Waterbury, I've been here. <laughs> I'm 29. I've lived here. All Are you 29? Yes, I'm 29. <laughs> Wow, okay. I lived here all of my life, and what I see about the area is there's a lot of opportunity, you know, good opportunity as well as negative opportunity, just like anywhere. You know, you just pick and choose where it is you want to be in life. And in my younger years, I got mixed up in alcoholism and smoking marijuana and, you know, doing different things. And eventually, and when I was like 21, I gave my life to, you know, Yahweh God. And then from there, I went back to school. I went to adult education, got my high school diploma. And while I was at adult education, 
education, I had this teacher named um, Jacqueline Butler. She was the she was um, the college transitional teacher. We would take trips to like Naugatuck Valley, and college was always something I desired to do. So I, you know, I leaped for it. I went to Naugatuck Valley for human services, and um, I wasn't like really focused the way I should have been. So I, I actually stopped going there. I did pass a few classes, but I ended up going back to Ashford University in 2019 where I'm still a student and I'm a 4.0 I'm in school for my bachelor's in psychology so um, yes I'm very grateful to be you know pursuing that and I'm learning a lot about psychology and after I graduate with my bachelor's I'm gonna be a uh, what is it called a recreational therapist and then I'm gonna go back and that's what I like about the field of psychology is it's a ladder um, degree you could just keep going and you know merge into a lot of different things so that I'm really excited about that as well I'm excited about that as well too when you I was about to kind of dig into you uh, when you said you weren't going to Naugatuck Valley anymore but I'm glad to hear that you're going to Ashford um, so congratulations on that Thank you. Uh, absolutely and keep it up keep it up I want to talk just a little bit about, um, if you don't mind, uh, how you, no. you, you talked about, um, you know, your er earlier years getting into alcoholism. Yes. Talk about how, how that happened, and uh, we'll get into how you came out of it. But but talk yeah. about because you know, I want to talk about um, your journey into where right. you are today, and just talk about how you how that came about. Right. Well, as a child, um, you know being around you know different friends and their influences and the things that they had in their household you know i had this best friend and we were like partners in crime you know and he he would drink and then he offered me some and then i ended up you know drinking and i don't believe it was peer pressure for me i was always strong-willed so i did it because i wanted to do it i didn't do it because he was like hey do it you know what i mean and um as a child i went through a lot like i i could literally write a book about my life which i probably will eventually but i was blessed <laughs> as a child and i didn't know how to deal with it you know what i mean i don't think a lot of people know how to deal with something like that you go through all these thoughts i thought something was wrong with me and i didn't really have an outlet so once i did drink alcohol i felt like that was my outlet it, it kind of numbed me from the pain that i was going through so i resorted to that you know what i mean and so yeah so you don't think it was peer pressure um no i don't think okay. it was peer pressure no okay Okay, and so from the alcohol, then you slowly went into marijuana? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yes. and so, I mean, do you think that any, you were trying to, uh, and I'm, I'm addressing this because there's other people yeah. out there who have, who have right. similar experiences. So do you think you're trying to escape from anything or trying to get to yes. a place? Or? I believe I was trying to escape from the pain, you know, that I was just feeling, you know, the uncomfort uncomfortability. And as a young child, I always dealt with um, a male wanting me. And that actually ties into how I, different things I got into as I got older, um, around 13, 14, I was in, you know, juvenile detention centers. And I, even before I had went away, I felt like I needed to change my 
physical outward appearance so that I could feel protected because it seemed like no one around me was really trying to protect me or putting that initiative up. I felt like I'm going to protect myself. So that's when I started to dress like a guy and, you know, I ended up cutting my hair and I considered myself a lesbian and I didn't really get bothered by men anymore. So it, it felt like, I felt like it was working for me, but that wasn't, you know, the true identity that Yahweh God had for me, you know, and the enemy, he can play in our mind and be like, oh, we'll do this and this will save you or deliver you from, you know, the fear of this or that. But it really ended up, you know, just, I just wasn't myself. And I, I wasn't in a place where uh, Yahweh God could really bless me the way he wanted to because of trying to hide behind different, you know, appearances and stuff like that. That's some really deep stuff there as far as what I would call the escapism, right? So right. Uh, you're, you're drinking to escape whatever, you're taking ma marijuana to escape whatever, and then you're tra changing your uh, demeanor, your, 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 pre your presentation, because right. so many different men who, I, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, th these men are supposed to be protectors of you, right? It's always the guys that are closest to you who are probably doing right. these things. Yes. And they're supposed and to be protecting you, and, and outsiders as well, right? And right. so you want to, you want to protect yourself from, from their advances uh, by, by right. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know other girls? I mean, you said you had spent some time in, in, in the detention center. Did you know other girls who were doing the same things? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. I met them in um, juvenile detention. And, um, you know, everybody, what I'm learning is, you know, how somebody could say, oh, well, my child is bad, but no child is really bad. Children are misinterpreted. You know what I mean? Like they might be acting out because there's something else going on. And it's so important to talk to your children. Like I don't have children yet. After I get married, um, I desire children. But because I was a child once, I understand that, you know, when children act out and they come from a good background and sometimes children are just children, but sometimes things are done because there's an underlying issue be behind the the act out you know what i mean it's important to talk to your children to find out what's going on with them because you never really know you know you can't leave your kids anywhere it could be immediate family members that violate your children before somebody on the outside does you know what i mean it's so important to um keep an eye on your children and have a, a converse a, a solid relationship with them as far as what's going on in their life you know what i mean that's that's definitely very very important if you yeah. could speak to any anyone um who's 13 14 dealing with this kind of thing what would you say to them what i would say is speak out and a lot of times the issue is not even because the child doesn't want to speak out they may speak out and what they're you know vocalizing is not being taken serious or is being brushed under the rug as well. So if you are being molested or abused by somebody and you go to your parent and they kind of brush it off, you know, find an adult that you can trust in. That's the main key. There's always going to be somebody in your life that you can trust in, that you can go to. And I have people like that in my life and it really helped me to develop and grow as a person and to realize that there's nothing wrong with me. That person is just dealing with um, some issues that they need to be delivered from, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, don't feel like there's something wrong with you, or, you know, you can't rise above that, you know what I mean? Very good, very good. Yes. 
So you, around the age of 21, you said you, you, you began to come out of that. What were the first steps of coming out of that? Well, the first steps were um, disassociating from the people that were in that circle, you know. So at the time, I call who I used to be the old man. That's what the scripture um, in the Bible refers to the person that we are before we become born again. The old man at the time, I was living a full-blown lifestyle of a lesbian. I was selling drugs in Norwalk, Connecticut, you know. I thought I was Snoop from the wire. I was out there, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was like some hardcore gangster, you know, and then you went way back there with the wire. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had to remember. <laughs> I thought I was like some OG and um, it's crazy. um Yahweh um the sacred name for God, for those who don't know, I'm, that's what I refer to my heavenly father. Um, he was bringing people my way. And I remember this lady, she was on drugs and she came up to me and she said, God loves you. And, you know, at the time I was like, I know it's him speaking to me because he used the person that I, you know, didn't expect for him to use. So at that time, that was in, I believe, 2015, no, like 2012, 2013. Um, at that time I was, I was having stomach pains and I was in Norwalk, Connecticut and, you know, I was selling drugs and everything and I had these sharp stomach pains. So long story short, um, the night before I went to the hospital, I sat in this recliner and I cried out like the children of Israel cried out in Egypt. I was like, father, deliver me from this lifestyle. I don't want to live like this anymore. And the next day, the Holy Spirit told me to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and, you know, come to find out I had gallstones that were the color white and they, I had to get them surgically removed. So I was really sick and I had to go on like a liquid diet. So long story short, I got the surgery, I started to feel better, and I realized at that point that I wanted a change. I didn't want to go back to that lifestyle, you know, and because I cried out to the Father and I said, I want a different life, you know, and then I was led to go on a fast, I didn't eat, and then I also started to realize, you know, because sometimes if a person is not spiritually in tune, you don't realize that the battles that are coming at you many times or the people that are in your life it's spiritual you know so i i came back i i stepped away from the person that i was with and i told her i said listen um i don't want to be in a relationship with you no more i'm seeking um yahweh and i want to come out of this because this is i know that this is wrong you know and i walked away from the person and i never looked back and then i got emerged in the Holy Spirit, I became new, and it was the best day of my life. Like, literally, I was just free. I felt like all childhood pain, whatever, um, you know, I went through that was holding me down, it no longer was holding me down, you know? And life wasn't perfect after that, but it definitely was better, you know? I had a drive to go get whatever it is I ever wanted. I always wanted to write books. I went, you know, I did that. I always wanted to go back to school. I did that, and you know, um, everything that I desired within his timing and will is what I've been going after, you know? Awesome. Awesome. That's an awesome story. So you wanted to get into writing books. So you want to write a children's book. And so let's let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to pull this up on the screen here so we can, if I, if I can do it right here. So, (laughs) uh, so, so here it is. And so just tell us about how the book came about. 
Yes. Um, so the book came about, I wrote, I actually um, drew, I painted a picture. It was a tree. And then the idea came to me to write a book about, you know, something regarding a tree. So then I sat down and wrote the book. And the book is about a little girl named Lisa Lucille and a little boy named Jason Dot. It's like rhythmatic. They're in Central Park. And um, shout out to the illustrator of the book. His name is Philip McCorkle Sr. He's um, the illustrator of this book and some upcoming books as well. And they're in the park. Um, they're, you know, Lisa Lucille and Jason Dot play in the park. It seemed nonstop, you know, laughing and giggling the ball they threw in their own world, just them, just two. So it's kind of rhythmatic. Um, it's fun. It's colorful. They see a blue jay in a blue vest and a nest singing his best. And, you know, it kind of takes them back because they see this blue jay and a fancy, you know, shiny vest and it disrupts their plan and now they're looking at the birds. So it's a, it's a story of like fun and, you know, how children interact with one another and how they're very imaginative when they see things and how it intrigues them and gets their attention. So it's very colorful. What's your inspiration? It just you just kind of go outside your nature. Do you is it is it more, more religious or just thoughts that come to your head? What's your inspiration to do this type? Oh, of thing? my inspiration is um, one. There's a lot of content out um, that claims to be children content, but it's not good for the children. And I just want to give back. Like you know, I want to give back. I grew up in a rural neighborhood. Um, I grew up around a lot of different things. And as a child, I, I did, I was around people that were not a good influence for me, but I learned from them, you know, and I just wanted to create something for children to be able to enjoy that's innocent, you know what I mean? Because there's so much going on in the world. And I just want to give back to children something that they can enjoy that is not malicious, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is it is it geared towards children in those urban environments? I mean, is well, yeah, or or children of every background, just something that they can read and 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 enjoy with the you know the bright colors and stuff of that nature, like something sent and nice for them to enjoy. Yeah, no, and and that certainly that certainly is is important. I I really am interested in in helping people. Um, yeah, who have the same type of backgrounds that you that you had and are going through yeah. the same things. Um, right. do, you, do you target those urban kids at all? Do you, are you, I mean, is yeah. there a way to target oh, them? Yeah. Um, I'm, I definitely do. Like I have a lot of um, younger siblings and nieces and nephews, but children as, as a whole that grow up in these communities, they're going through a lot. You know what I mean? They're going through a lot that children shouldn't have to go through. They're being exposed to things that children shouldn't be exposed to. So um, like I said, for me, when I ever found myself in a situation of hearing something or being around something that was not good for me, I would resort to, you know, reading a book that took my mind out of that atmosphere, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that that's a big, um, one of my big motivations and inspirations is just, I, my heart goes out to children because I went through a lot as a child and I'm just, I would like to create something for them to be able to enjoy, you know what I mean? And to share my testimony and wisdom of the do's and don'ts when you have children, just because not because I have children, but because I was a child before.
No, I, I think that that's, that's absolutely important. Again, I'm going to ask you, what, what do you say to a kid? I mean, he can pick up your book, maybe seven, eight or whatever, um, yeah. pick up your book, be encouraged to read, but sometimes in some of these environments, they're not encouraged to read or they're teased what? about becoming, you know, you want to read, you, you know, you think yeah. you're trying to be white and all that kind of stuff. What, yeah. what would you say, what would you say to, to a person, thir- I mean, eight, nine, 10, 13, 15, what would you say to a person who's be, who wants to be this way, who, who has the same dreams to, to write books, to go to right. college, to be smart, to be educated, but yet they're in this environment where it's frowned upon. Talk, help, help us uh, get to those people. What I would say um, to those individuals is you don't have to be a product of your environment. Being educated is not just for white people, you know, and, and it's so sad that we've grown up in a society that has kind of, you know, uh, molded that that view, you know, like when when we were kids, you know, there was people that were not reading books or were doing other things that were not um, something that we should have been doing as children. You know what I mean? So I feel like I feel like when you're into reading and stuff like that you are growing as an individual. So I would say to them, you could be whatever you want to be. If you grew up on Willow Street, that's where I grew up at. You know, I've witnessed people getting shot or, you know, young girls having babies at a young age. I grew up around these different things or people that's younger than me selling drugs. You don't have to resort to um, uh, negative things to become something. You can you can have your own business, but it doesn't have to be selling narcotics. You can sell T-shirts. You know you can you can do something with yourself regardless of where you come from. And that's that's my biggest message to any uh, any child that has grown up in the same era as me is look at me. You know, I I I wrote a book. I I am pursuing a higher education. You can do whatever you want to do. Whatever you put your mind to, you can do it, you know? Absolutely. That was well said. That was very well said. Um, so you had, you wrote one book that we put up on here. You have another book coming out. Tell us yes. about that. Um, wow. This book is very, very special. It was um, inspired by an ex-boyfriend. Actually, the whole <laughs> book was written in a text to him. <laughs> Oh, so, so, so is this whole book about a throw off? About, about oh, no, <laughs> it's, it's a big shot to some ex boyfriend. Look what you missed. Look what you missed. Uh, I am educated. Uh, look what you're missing out on. Look what you're missing out on. I'm going to be the next Oprah. Is that what this oh book is about? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I give thanks to the Heavenly Father because it's not like I hate you. I hate my ex. <laughs> but the book is The Rarest Gem Known Unto Man. And the the inspiration of the book is I felt like he didn't know what he had. So in That's in exactly the, what I said. So oh, listen, it is, that's <laughs> no, listen, okay, in the book, the guy he found a rare gem and he took it home. He put it he, you know, shined it, put it on a showcase. He was like, When people come to my house, they're gonna see this rare gem that I have. It meant everything to him. And then he got then he got selfish and he met a man that had his own field and he went up to the man and said, Hey, I heard that the rarest gem known unto man is found in these fields. And then the guy said, Oh yes, if you would you like to dig in this field? 
And then he said, do you have anything you want to give to me? So in the book, the guy who had the field, he's sort of like the adversary, the one that's just ready to take our stuff when we're willing to give it to him, you know? And so the guy said, Can, do you have anything you want to give to me? And he said, um, yes. I have this um, rare gem. Now, when the guy saw the rare gem, he knew that that was the rarest gem known unto man, but the other guy didn't know. He was blinded because of greed. So he said, what you can do is give me the rare gem that you have, and then you can dig in this field. And if you find it, you can have it. So long story short, the guy was like digging for months. And then- oh, a Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. We're going to stop right there. I want people to, to read the book, right? Don't, okay. like, don't, get, don't give it away, right? We okay. want you to read the book. Okay, so, All right. so it's a story about you throwing off about, about your ex-boyfriend and he, how he messed up and missed out on the, on the rare gem that you are. Uh, but, but in order to get the rest of the book, uh, make sure that you... That you uh, so this is more of a novel, right? It's not, it's not the poetry that you did before, right? No, no. Okay. This, this is for every age group, actually, but it's a very powerful um, message that it gives off to just be grateful for what you have because the grass is not always greener on the other side. The very thing, don't leave your um, 80 for a 20. Basically. Okay, now you're quoting Tyler Perry. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, all right, so so uh, you got that, Devante, or whatever your name was, or whoever your ex-boyfriend was. Um, uh, so uh, I, <laughs> um, so yeah, so when can we, when and where can we pick up, uh, that, that new book? It will be out February, February. of 20. Yes. Okay. February, 2021. We'll be able to get that. Uh, and your other book is available where? The treetop? Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any online bookstore, like Brookstones. So it's not okay. hard to find. And the new book will be the same way? Yes. Okay. Uh, so if people want to get in contact with you, do you have a Facebook and e uh, email or, or anything like that? Yeah, I have um, Facebook. My Facebook is Shalonda Trent, and um, that's S-H-A-L-O-N-D-A-T-R-E-N-T. And my email is lowercase s-t-r-e-n-t-431 at gmail.com. Very good. Um, yeah. so you also, uh, I forgot about this. You also have a clothing line, which I'm extremely impressed about. Uh, tell yeah. us about that. Yes. Um, the name of my clothing line is Diamante de Beton. Um, and in French, that means concrete diamond. So, um, this clothing line will, is, it inspires poise, elegance, and, um, a clothing line that, you know, when you wear it, you feel proud to be who you are. And it's for every ethnicity and race. But, you know, I'll have shirts that say things about like melanin or woman empowerment. And um, I'm also going to be having women, women's clothing, men's clothing, children, uh, boys and girls, you know, things like that. So right now I just launched it and I have t-shirts available. If you desire to purchase a t-shirt, you could just direct message me on Facebook and I could take your information and get that order out to you. Okay, send me some, uh, some, some pictures of those that way I can put them up um, so we can, you know, get your product advertised. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I really hope, and I mean this sincerely, that um, that you use your your wisdom, your platform, um, and teach other people, the younger generations, about being the entrepreneur that you have become. I mean, yes. I would I would talk to uh, um, 
community centers, see if you can set something up because they need yeah. to hear of exactly what your voice is, that you have yeah. been there and that right. you, know, you know the struggles, particularly for young girls who have been abused or whatever and yeah. you can show them, here's me today. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to college. I got a clothing line. I wrote yes. two books. Uh, that is a story worth telling. And that's why I want to have you on the podcast. And I, I don't want you just to, you know, rely just on my podcast, but I want you to right. really get out there and right. see if you can talk to community centers, talk to other churches, uh, go to women's shelters uh, yeah. and, and just encourage people uh, that they that they can get out of this lifestyle, whatever this lifestyle is, whether it's the drugs, right. alcoholism, abusive relationships, yes. right? There's, yeah. there, there's something on the other side. There's something on the other side and, and all is not, all is not lost. Um, you Absolutely. had, you had a, a, you know, an epiphany whenever you had it, uh, whether it was in the detention center or in people can have it wherever they are in life, right? They can have one right. where they're driving around. Uh, they can have one at school or they, if they've been incarcerated or, mm -hmm. or uh, sitting in church or whatever. And I want people to have that. And I, you know, I think that you're a great voice to show them yeah. that, that, that there's something that, that they can turn their lives around. And I love how you said, um, uh, you don't have to be a product in your environment. Education is not just solely for white people, That's black right. people, black people. Uh, there's a guy, I think his name is uh, Henry Louis Gates. He said, mm -hmm. um, he was, he's an educator at Harvard university, black, black guy. And he said yeah. that, uh, in the 1950s and sixties, because we were denied so much education that the blackest, yeah. the, the blackest thing, uh, that you could do as a black person, right? The blackest thing in, in quotations is get an education. Yes. Fast forward to, to, you know, to the eighties, nineties and two thousands. Um, and you know, we, we seem to have forgotten th th that lesson. And so yeah. I commend him for saying that. I commend you for doing that. Um, and I, I hope and wish for you that the best in all of your endeavors. Um, do you have any more books lined up or any more? I mean, what's, what's your entrepreneurial um, spirit? There's also, it's going to be a series. It's titled The Unlikely Adventures of Pilia Pico and George Geranimo. And this is going to be like uh, George. <laughs> yeah, George Geranimo. He's going to be like um, short with big bifocals, dirty converse. And Pilia Pico, she has the little, you know, coat on. They're like, they're in into like, imagination and solving mysteries so it's going to be one of those books and it's going to be a series so nice yeah. okay okay listen i may yeah. read that myself i may be a little kid i have to go read that <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really really appreciate the conversation i had a great time um yeah listen keep up the good work uh, that's all i can say you're doing it you're an inspiration to me and i hope hopefully you're an inspiration to everyone your age and older your age and younger eight nine year olds the 10 year olds yeah and everyone i'm really encouraged um, when yeah. i hear stories like yours so congratulations thank you and thank you for having me it's been a pleasure absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.